to see all of you here this evening. Be turning to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> we'll be there here in just a moment. Last week when we were together, we had talked about wives and husbands, and for many of us we could relate, but some we couldn't. But for the next one, our next special relationship, we're going to talk about children and parents. And whether you did or didn't have any children... You, at one time, were a child. So you can relate, maybe on both ends of this, but definitely on one end of this when we talk about children and parents. Last week, we talked about how wives and husbands, the role uh, that sort of each played, but we settled on the idea, and we agreed upon the idea, because it's what we're taught in the Bible, that the marriage relationship is like what other relationship? Christ and the church. Okay? And the role that the husband or the wife plays is similar to that that the church and that Christ play. And so there was a <clears throat> connection there between the two. Now, tonight we are going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, in particular, the first four verses. After that, we're going to be all over the place. So if you brought extra hands with you tonight, that might be good because you're going to have to flip back and forth throughout the Bible. Hopefully it'll be books that you remember. I didn't pull anything out of Amos, so uh, you'll know where it is uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible. But let's look first at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It's entitled in my Bible, Children and Parents, and that's what we'll entitle our lesson for this evening as well. Jameson, can you read verses 1 to Three and four of Ephesians chapter six, sir. Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition. Admonition. Admonition of the Lord. Okay, so. Let's start right from the beginning. What is the duty of children to parents? To honor them. Obey and honor, right? Two parts, right? To obey and honor. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can. But as a parent, did you ever get aggravated for a lack of obedience from your child? <laughs> I'd say anybody who's been a parent has been aggravated by that. I will say this. It's not really a lack of obedience. It's more of kind of a dragging it out kind of a thing. But there is nobody that takes longer to put shoes on than Will Hopkins. And it's not a matter of inability to tie shoes. It's not a matter of picking out shoes. But it's a matter of every other thing that could possibly be happening that he'd rather be that he'd rather be put the shoes on. And it's not really just shoes. Tonight I said, Will, let's go. Will, let's go. I'm coming. 
Will, let's go. Will, you got your jacket on inside out. Okay? So, obedience is something that we sort of hope for, but sometimes we're not really obeying. Now, those are kind of silly stories, but one of the things that we read here, children, obey your parents and the Lord for what? This is right. For this is right. What does that mean, for this is right? I'm sorry, Lucy. It's what you should do. It's a pretty simple answer to a pretty simple question. For this is right. Now, the question that I'll ask you here in verse 1 of chapter 6. Who was this being written to? The church. The church at Ephesus. Okay, so probably what they did at Ephesus was they sent the adults to the back and they brought the kids to the front and they said, all right, kids... I'm going to read chapter 6, verse 1 to you all. Okay? Right? Probably not, right? Who would they have read this to? The entire congregation. The entire congregation? But wait a minute. You all aren't children anymore. Everybody's old, right? We're not children anymore. Are we? We're children of God. But you're still children of... Who your mom and dad were as well. I asked this question a while back, but how many of us still obey our mother and father? How many of us have mothers or fathers that are deceased? You still obey them, right? We still obey them. You probably still remember things that mom said or that dad said, right? We still sort of obey them. Why do we do it? Let's go to verse 2. What does verse 2 say? Honor your father and mother. Anybody ever heard the saying or heard somebody say, oh, if my dad saw me now, he'd be rolling over in his grave or something like that. Anybody ever heard that? Why did they say that? Usually you've done something wrong or you know, you're something that they probably wouldn't appreciate. All right? What and what you had been taught. Maybe go back to verse one and say, for this is not right in some cases. Honor your father and mother, which is what? The first commandment with promise. So we all, right off the bat, the first two things we see in verse 1 that we need to obey. In verse 2 that we need to honor. Okay? Now, this seems like an odd couple of verses to plug in after we've just been talking about husbands and wives, maybe. Perhaps it's not. Yes. Yes. Okay, so if we go to verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What does, what do we, what do we mean by this? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Okay. It goes back to the right. Okay. It goes back to the Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And the uh, mm-hmm. and the 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 and
You're exactly, he's exactly right, and we'll get to that in just a second. But that first commandment, we go back to the Old Testament, right? To the old, to the old law, to the Ten Commandments, if you will, for that is the end because we're taught, well, they, the people that would have been hearing this would have been taught, uh, one of the things would be to honor the father and mother. And then with promise means what? Tony, I think you were kind of answering it, but you can repeat that. What is the with promise? That you would have the promise of heaven. And so you're following through with this commandment. And then the second part of there, which is the first commandment with promise. So it's not a commandment. You've probably asked somebody to do something without really anything behind it before. But this is saying that this commandment is not just an empty commandment. Obey your parents. But rather there's a promise that comes with it. That there's the fulfillment of that commandment will lead to... Uh, Heaven, perhaps, if we want to think about it that way. But it, it wouldn't have been that necessarily in the Old Testament. But they were following the law and they would be rewarded for it. We would say it that way. Okay? It, it will. We just haven't got there yet. <laughs> so verse 3, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. What were you going to say, though? I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm going to hold the door for somebody when we're going to Cracker Barrel, okay? I'm going to, well, I wasn't taught that when I was 60 years old. I was taught that when I was two years old, probably. You know, uh-huh. that, you know they would have thrown a fit if I would have slammed the door in somebody's face, you know, as well they should have. That's what I would have done with you all. That's what you would do with Will. Uh, it's, it just makes things better, right? <coughs> you know, if, if you will start young. Because you're going to have to obey. People don't understand. Some people have never grasped their concept that, there's laws to obey. If the policeman stops you, obey what the policeman tells you to do. You know, if the boss tells you to do something, obey what the boss tells you to do. You know, uh, uh, that's obey the laws of marriage, obey the laws of uh, God. Uh, the quicker you learn that, the better off you are. So I think that gets us into verse three, when we read that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. This is not necessarily a statement that says, obey your parents and you're going to live for 100 years. Okay? Because there are people that have done no wrong that have obeyed forever and died when they're 20 years old. And there have been people that have been Muslims that have lived for 100 years. We know how that works both ways. So when we read verse 3 there, that you may live long on the earth, what are we really saying? What's verse 3 really saying? Obey your mother and father, honor your mother and father, that you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you and you may live long well, on the, the earth. The reality of it is, if you want, there's a lot better chance percentage-wise. You know, if mom and daddy never tell you to run out the road, and when you're two <laughs> years old you run out the road all the time, there's an excellent chance you'll get killed. Okay, uh, So there is a, there is even a physical part. But the, I think what it's saying there is that you're going to, uh, you're going to have a lot happier, easier, gentler life. If you want, if you honor Your life will be less troubled in most cases. And that's where, go ahead. With promise, it's kind of like, do this and you're going to get returns. Right. Yes. Right. And that does, certainly doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. No. That certainly does not mean that everything's going to be perfect. But when we look at that, the idea of honoring your father and mother. But honoring our father and mother is an example to teach us for what we're supposed to do as Christians, which is to honor who? God, okay? And so, if we honor God, if we obey God, if we follow God, whatever verse, whatever words we're going to use from verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3, will we live long as a result? Don't think about your human body. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay? So the lesson sort of goes, uh, in a sense, twofold. Now, let's go to verse 4. Because, last week, remember we talked about the role of the husband, and we said that on that verse, uh, verse 24 or 22 or whatever it was, a lot of people would just stop right there and say, all right, we're good, nothing to do anymore. But if we read verses 1, 2, and 3, it puts all of the work on who? In chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Who has to do all the work according to those verses? The child. The child does. So I have a child. You have a child. We don't have to do nothing, right? The kid, he needs to start doing his obeying. He needs to start doing his honoring. He needs to start living wrong. I don't have to do a thing, right? Well, what does verse 4 say? And you fathers, but I, we can put mothers in here as well. And you fathers what? Do not provoke your children to wrath. What does that mean? I'm sure all of you have heard this before. What does it mean to provoke son? What does it mean to provoke just in general? Agitate. Agitate. You know, I'm being provoked, okay? We see this all the time at school. A kid does something really dumb, and you ask them, why did you do it? Why did you hit that person? Have you ever cursed? They do that, you know? That's what they say. Because they've been aggravated. The kid's been aggravated, and then they, they say that every time you watch a basketball game or a football game, two guys kind of push. The second one that pushes always gets the penalty. The first one provoked, the second one acted on it. The Bible's telling us in verse 4, fathers do not provoke your children to what? Right. To wrath. That's a word we don't use much anymore. We don't use the word wrath, but what is another, what is a synonym for wrath that we would use today? Anger. anger. Okay, we can all understand anger, right? How many of us have ever dealt with anger in our life? If your hand is not raised, you're probably lying, okay? We all have been angry at some point. Now, sometimes our anger might be minuscule. It might not be anything. Have we ever had severe or serious anger in our lives? All of us probably have as well. And there's probably a little spectrum of good anger to bad anger, somewhere between that we've all fallen on. That verse says, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath or anger, however we want to say it. So if we put those two together, provoke and anger, provoke and wrath, provoke and anger, what is it telling fathers not to do? What's that, you? Not to provoke anger. No, yeah, not good. You, you should treat your children respectfully. You should treat your children respectfully. You should Use show wisdom in the way you correct them. Use wisdom in the way you correct them. Good. You, you can use kindness. Kindness. Okay. So do not provoke them to wrath. Because if the approach is always like the, you know, the two kids I'm telling you about at school, that one, if you're provoking constantly, if you're you know, just trying to get them mad all the time, are you going to be effective? You, you can. Yes. This reminds me of Barney Fife whenever he's fussing at the little boy for riding the bicycle on the, on the sidewalk and he and Andy stopped the little boy. And the little boy smarts off, and then Andy gets right down his left. Yeah. I mean, Barney does, and just blah, 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 you know. Right. And so it, it made it worse. And Barney said, "Let's." Uh, Andy said, "Let's try to act like adults here, Barney." And that's, what, <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they needed to do. Sure. At that point. But Barney had got right down on this little eight-year-old's level, and just back and forth. Like, right. That's what. That's what sometimes parents do. They, yeah. they get into a yelling match with their children, and that's, that's just not proper. No. So if we say, if we read verse 4, do not provoke your children to wrath, comma, but what? 
So bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You see, when we read in the Bible, it doesn't just tell us what not to do, but it'll also tell you what to do right there. Okay? If, it had, if that sentence had said, do not provoke your children to wrath, period, well, how should I raise my child? You know, now, maybe common sense might tell me I shouldn't provoke them, but not everybody would know that. But it says, comma, then what? But raise them in the... Nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture and admonition of the Lord. What do those two, word, two words mean? Nurture, what does that mean? My Bible says instruction of the Lord. That would work just fine as well. We talked about, when I taught sociology, we talked about nature and nurture as two things. And nature, what you're sort of born with, nurture, what you're sort of taught to. Instruction works really well right there. You're nurturing the child. You are teaching. You are instructing the child. I think of the word nurture, I think of feeding. Mm -hmm. You're bringing them up with your, your, your seasoning your words and you're feeding the children the right language that will help them grow. Right. Rather than just something that will break them back. Now what's the admonition mean? What does it mean to admonish if you were looking it up in the dictionary? To correct, okay? So instruct, bring them up in the instruction and the correction. Now, if you're a parent, have you ever instructed your child or children on something? Yes. Have they ever gotten it wrong? Yes, they have, okay? Anybody who's ever taught anything to anyone, they've gotten it wrong. So when you admonish them, you correct them, okay? Now, how do you correct them? How do you correct your child? If you're bringing them up in the nurture of the admonition of the Lord, how do you, what does that mean? How do you admonish? How do you correct? You might, uh, you might tell them that I love you, little Johnny, but you can't play with your video games to, see, mm -hmm. you know, to take that away from you. Okay. Uh, you can't go to the thing that you wanted to go to, uh, the ball game, whatever uh -huh. you want to go to, so you can't do that. And then explain why. Explain there you why. Go. That's exactly right. There you go. So when we correct, when we admonish, we're doing it in a way that they would understand why the instruction failed. Okay? Is there a lesson there within the church? Absolutely. Do we nurture within the church? We better. There has to be, right? Is there admonishment in the church? Absolutely. If there needs to be, there's admonishment in the church as well. There's a young man that goes that's a sophomore at Garrett County. And I know his mom and dad really well. I've known them my whole life, basically. And one of the requirements in, uh, one of, in the PE class is that they have to run a mile. Okay? It is a requirement. And this kid would have no trouble doing it. He's athletic and could do this with no trouble. And he didn't do it. He just set out. Didn't he chose not to do it. And so his, he, his mom checks his grade and he gets a B. And so she contacts the teacher, which because he's an A student, she contacts the teacher and says, why did, he, why did he have a B? The teacher says he didn't run the mile that he was required to do. And she said, I understand. She said, would you give him a chance to do it tomorrow? And he said, I will do, I will do just that. So the kid goes, is supposed to go the next day. He does not go to the gym. Our gym teacher goes and says, why did you not come running? He said, my Spanish teacher wouldn't let me leave class. So he went and asked the Spanish teacher with the kid. And he said, did he ask to go? She said, he never did ask. 
So he said, Kent the B, he calls mom, tells mom, says, this is what, this is what happened. Mom said, we'll take care of that. D will stay on his report card, and we found out today that no cell phone for three months. Okay? Doesn't even have to, just doesn't even, doesn't even exist anymore. Has to ride a bus, can't ride with his older sister to school, got to ride a bus to and from, all these different things. Okay? But there's a little bit of admonishment right there. Okay? There was a, there was a way of, we instructed you the first time you should have done it, but you didn't do it. We, got, we kind of worked with you to get a second chance. You still didn't follow. Now it gets a whole lot more serious. I'd say not. I'd say not. So, as Christians, as parents, as Christian parents, is that the approach that we should take? How many times have we seen people whose admonishment was never really an admonishment? There, there was never really any kind of punishment. So the role there, verses 1, 2, and 3 tells us what the child is supposed to do. But verse 4 says that there's a role that we, or that whoever it is that would be the parent, would have to play as well. Bring them up in the training and the admonition, the nurture and admonition, the instruction and admonition, whatever verse you want to use right there. Bring them up in that way. Now, Brandon, would you like to say what you said so well about five minutes ago? I suspect that that young man will run a mile the next time we have to. And not necessarily because he's dying to run a mile, but he'll remember all those text messages that he didn't get from, from friends and girlfriends and all of that. So those kind of lessons can return, can be taught uh, sort of over and over again. Now, what I want to do for the remainder of tonight, and we'll probably have to do it uh, more next week as well, we are going to look at <coughs> five different things that the Bible says about working as parents with children. I thought this would work better for us because all of us are probably on the parental role a little bit more than on the child role. The first thing we're going to look at, I told you it would be all over the Bible here, so uh, keep your uh, Bible moving. But we're going to start with four verses about loving children. Can you be an effective parent without loving children, without loving the child? You absolutely cannot. You cannot. Because it's not a job, it's not a function. Can you do your job at work without loving it? Yes, you absolutely can. It may not be an enjoyable experience, but you can do that job without loving. There are a lot of people that are doing jobs that they don't love. There's a lot of people that are parenting kids that they don't love either. But the Bible's going to teach us about loving children. So let's start with the first verse. And again, New Testament, Old Testament, we're going to jump around all over the place. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Leland, if you don't care when you get there, would you read that for us, please, sir? Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the 
is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. <coughs> so, the first thing we're talking about is loving children. I want to go back and read verse 3 right there again. What Leland said, Behold, children are... Leland, what word did you say? Gift of, uh, gift of the Lord. A gift from the Lord. Your Bible might say a heritage, but a heritage is the same thing as a gift. So, the first question is, do we need to love children? Well, if I say no to that... I'm in effect saying to Psalm 127, verse 3, I do not want to love a gift from the Lord. And that seems like a very strong statement to make. So, we've established here in this first verse that children are a gift from the Lord. Let's go over a couple of chapters back to the left. Psalm 113. Psalm 113, just one verse, uh, shell verse 9 in Psalm 113. I was trying to scroll through it. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. So let's look at the second part then. If the first verse said that we should rejoice, that we should be happy for this gift, the second verse says, especially the second part right there, like a joyful mother of children. So if you're a mother of children or if you're a father of children, should there be joy in that fact? Absolutely. That your children should be your joy, right? Your children should be your joy. Now, is there, are there going to be times that your children are going to do dumb things? Are they going to disappoint you? Yes. Guess what? Every person in the history of the world has done dumb things and has disappointed people. Everybody would. That might, does that remove the joy from them? It should. It should. So if we're still talking about loving children, let's go to the New Testament. Luke chapter 18. I can give you a printout of this if you would be interested in... Uh, having something like this uh, after we're finished. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Wilma, do you care to read Luke 18, 15 through 17? So in verse 19, excuse me, in Psalm, what was the one that said? Psalm 113, verse 9, there we go. It said that there should be joy uh, in, in the parent, in the, in the mother. The joy uh, should be there. So you say, well, okay, well, that's, that's all well and good. But that's just, that's just Psalms talking about something. Give me a real example of what Jesus thought about children. Well, what we read right there. The first verse that she read was in black, right? It wasn't in red. What's the complaint in the first verse there, verse 15? They didn't want Jesus to be bothered with these little kids. Then, also, then they also brought infants to him that meant he might touch them. The disciples said, you know, they, they said they rebuked them. This guy's way too important to be dealing with the kids, right? This guy is way too important to be dealing with the kids. What does Jesus respond in verses 16 and 17? Let the little children come unto me. 
Jesus was saying in a sense right there, what? That is the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying right there about those little kids? They are important. In fact, go ahead, Lou. He said, unless you become like one of these little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think he's trying to say, you don't have an attitude like these little children do. They don't hold grudges that, you know, like grown-ups do. That was one thing. Absolutely. If I'm reading those three verses, who's the most important people in those three verses? The children are talking about the people in black in verse 15, though, right? The people in verse 15 had a ranking of people, right? These people are here. The children are back here. We'll get to the children later. Jesus said, don't bring them right here. That's the kingdom of heaven. Leland's exactly right. He's saying that the people who thought they were better than the kids, who thought Jesus needed to be dealing with them instead of the kids, they have to change their mindset as well. So it's pretty clear here that Jesus has what opinion toward children? He loves them. He loves them. So if Jesus loves children, where should we be? We should love them. We should probably be in the same boat. Turn on further to the book of Titus chapter 2. Now, a question that perhaps might come up if we go to Titus chapter 2. A question that might come up is like sometimes you'll hear people say I don't know how to be a parent. Is that a legitimate statement? Absolutely. Now, think back to before your first child. In your case, you got two, two for one at a discount. So, before your first child, what did you know about raising kids? Wrong. You know everything about raising kids. Right? Judy Black, who I worked with for years, told me one time that she and Charlie were, her husband Charlie, were the two best parents ever in the history of Garrett County. They don't have kids. She said, I know all the answers. I've never had to put them in a place. You know all that stuff, right? But then when that kid comes home, what happens? It's a whole lot harder, right? It's a whole lot more difficult. Okay? How do we learn how to be a parent? Let's go to Titus. Chapter 2, verse 4. Tony, Titus chapter 2. Maybe I shouldn't call it. You don't have any kids, so you don't, you don't need any of this. You're good. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, verse 4. I wouldn't learn to be a wife, but how to be a spouse or how to be a parent? From older women. From other people? A mother, I mean, a mother can teach her daughter. Okay. Father can teach his son. I know the Bible says mother right there, but I think we can use that either way. We should be learning from other people. I have picked up parenting tips from people that were not my parent because I've watched how they worked with their child. Okay. They may well not have known that I picked that up from them. And I may not have been up and pulled one sleeve and said, thanks, I'm going to put that in, you know, in my quiver of arrows. I may not say that. But you learn from that. So as Christians and in the church, when we're talking about loving children, how do we help others to love children? Thank you. Example. E-X-A-M-P-L-E. The example that we set. And there's a good example 
And there's a bad example. And if we're not careful, we set that bad example, who sees it? Our children. Our children see it. Because I'm not parenting to win favor in your eyes, although I would hope that you would say I was doing good if I was asking you. But I'm parenting to do what for my child? What do we read in Ephesians? Verse 4. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If I love my child, which is what Ephesians says that I should, then I have to raise them in the appropriate way. I have to set that example for them. Questions? Well, I see examples of good parenting all, all the time, and I see examples of poor parenting all the time, you know, at Walmart or wherever. Uh, and uh, it really makes your heart smile whenever you see good parenting, you know, a mother or daddy being kind to their child, talking to their child, and explaining things <coughs> to their child. And it breaks your heart when you see a child just get lambasted in a public place, maybe for no reason, you know, I mean, for some little minor reason. I think one thing I've always done, Daniel, that I've, I've tried to do my whole life, is kids are little, and I oftentimes will stoop down to get down on their level so I can look at them eye to eye, rather than lower them down, you know. I've always thought that was important. Stoop down, talk to them, pick them up in your arms, look them in the eye, uh, you know, uh, it's a, when, when they're able to do that, you know. Without talking down, you know, try not to talk down to people because mm -hmm. I don't care what the situation is. It's intimidating. It's scary. Uh, but if you get down on their level, oftentimes it's a it's a lot better. You know. Other thoughts. That's where we're going to stop. So. And don't you think we need to embrace good parents and honor good parents? Like sure. Like Jameson and and, and Brandon there. I just think wow. I just admire them so much because they bring their kids to church all the time. And they're good to us little kids all the time. And they've got three going three for directions, you know. <laughs> three on two, right, bud? <laughs> but it's, it's, and, and I brag on to people that I, we talk about them amongst ourselves. Wow, what good parents. Uh, uh, you and Mary, when you talk to Will, I, I just said that, I think, wow, that's a lot better parenting than I did, <laughs> you know, because of the way you all well, deal with him, you know. I really think patience is something I didn't have. I was, 17 when I had my first child. I wasn't old enough to know anything about it. But what I have admired is in other people being patient, yes. taking the time to explain, not acting like they're mad, but just, you know, like uh, Roy said, getting down to their level. I know Sonia Allen, uh, she would just have the patience of Joe with her <laughs> children. And she would get down and come on her knee. And I think, are you ever going to quit? So our first set of verses there deal with love. And I think what we've heard from every comment, from everything that we've seen, is that the love has to be there. And without the love, there's really no further hope of being able to do much more. Because otherwise, you're just sort of a boss or a, a leader, if you will. I mean, you may, in a work-related setting, I mean, Tony, you had tons of employees, you know, so they loved them. You know, they came and went. They might have left and went somewhere else. Your child's always going to be there, okay? And so that love has to be there. Next week, what we're going to talk about is teaching and guiding children. And I've got those two words together, and I think it's important because teaching and guiding 
are two different things, but in a lot of ways, they're sort of the same. After that, we're going to talk about disciplining your children. We're going to talk about setting an example, as Leland was using there just a moment ago, and then providing for children. And I have, we read four verses tonight. We have 18 verses from the Bible that's going to address each of those categories. So when we finish tonight, there's, or finish in a week or so, whenever it is, there's not going to be a possible will, way to say the Bible doesn't teach me anything about raising children. We'll see you next Wednesday night.